party started. This is Ghetto. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. It's on a website. This is FNA. I am a god. Now what? Why don't you get out of that jumpsuit and let me smack that fat ass? <laughs> That's a scary crew. As far as the product goes, uh, the voice of a new generation, man. You guys are the young guys. Are really at the top of their games. The two of them had something in common. We bring you Radio Ecstasy. Oh, it's beautiful. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. FNA. FNA. Let it happen. This is the FNA Podcast. It is a Thursday edition of the FNA Podcast. I am Kevin Figures. Throw that ass back Thursday. We are. And that is... Binders full of, uh, of women. Yes, sir. And we haven't played Romney in a while. Adam Osland on the other side over there with all the fancy buttons. It's midterms this year. It is. Binders full of, uh, of women. That's right. And we've got a good show stacked up for you today on this Thursday edition. Uh, early edition of the show. Thank you guys for checking in. Thanks for listening as always. Multiple ways to listen, by the way. Subscribe is the easiest way to do it. On iTunes, FNA Podcast. Just hit subscribe and the uh, podcast will get dumped right into your inbox or your app or whatever you like. Or check us out on uh, iHeartRadio.com. Absolutely. That go is there where as well. we work. The iHeart app. Download the iHeart app. It's free. You don't have to pay anything. Just put a little bit of information in there. They don't ask for like your social security or number or anything. It's nothing that serious. No, no, no. A little bit of information and then you can just subscribe to the FNA Podcast there and you can listen to every episode there as well. Or fnapodcast.com as well and while you're there you can click on our Amazon banner and buy and purchase as you wish as you listen to us and our shenanigans and hijinks here on the FNA podcast coming up on the back end of the show speaking of we got some rap news for you Kevin give us a tease of a story coming up later DJ Khaled you can have a piece of DJ Khaled in your house and there's a lot of them to go around I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> well, now that it looks I'm... like someone else is taking his hair. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so DJ Khaled's in with Cardi B. How much do you want to book Cardi B for a, for a concert? We'll let you know. Oh, Ten bucks. A little backyard show. Well, <laughs> that didn't sound right. That really didn't. I was like, at Follow I Adam yard. A is, by the way, is where you can find Adam, Cardi B. Don't come after me. I like I like you, Cardi. Put your bloody shoes up my ass. At KFig1. I think you like that. <laughs> at KFig1 is where you can find me on Twitter. At FNA Show is where you can find us. So, yes, we have rap news coming up on the back end of the show. Coming up here in the first segment, though, Adam, a friend of the show. Excited for this one. Special guest yeah. with his own intro. Well, we're joined right now by a man smarter than the Smarties and tougher than the Toughies. He's gone from FM to AM, which would seem like a downgrade in quality, but only in audio clarity. Not in content, not in personality, not in broadcasting brilliance, which this man exudes. You know him from Kevin and Bean, the NFL Network, the Petros and Money Show, and now he's the voice of the Bolts. It's Matt Money Smith joining us here on the FNA Podcast. Follow him at Matt Money Smith on Twitter, and remember... What Billy Corgan's depression is to music is what is what Matt's analysis is to sports. They both go together well, and I'm seeing the pumpkins later tonight. Uh, Matt, what's up, man? I don't know if Billy Corgan's depression in music compares to his depression on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, right? He looks a little bit more depressed riding that roller coaster than up, up on the, uh, the stage singing about whatever tonight or whatever it may be. <laughs> or zero. <laughs> uh, or Matt, zero. Matt, before we uh, get to the Chargers, uh, is Aaron Rodgers as deserving of that contract as anyone you've seen play quarterback? Is he the best quarterback you've seen over the last 15 years? He's the best quarterback I've ever seen play football. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he hasn't won the most. You know, maybe he hasn't been in the best position, but yeah, I, I think most of the people that that I'm around, and my you know my opinions tend to be gathered from being around football people that played the game, talked about the game, and I don't think they would ever. And I think the great majority of them would not say it on the air because it's just a hard position to defend when he's only won one Super Bowl and you got Tom Brady out there, you know, with what nine trips or eight trips to the the big game and, and five wins. It's just it, it's very hard to tangle in that debate. But he's the best quarterback that's ever played the game. I mean, just from how he plays, the way he throws the ball, the accuracy in which he throws the ball, the remarkable moments in games where they they demand remarkable moments. I mean, he is he's it. So yeah, he's probably worth double that, but because we have a salary cap you know, they can't pay him. And I'm sure the Packers went into that negotiation thinking 
Uh, okay, Kirk Cousins just got $80 million guaranteed, and he's freaking Kirk Cousins. Nothing against him. He's a good quarterback. Uh, but he's nowhere near the level of quarterback that Aaron Rodgers is. So, yeah, they had to blow that number away uh, by whatever, 20 23% to get him as $103 million guaranteed. Matt, you mentioned about the salary cap. There's been a lot of talk and a lot of NBA players have come out in support of NFL players not having guaranteed contracts. We know the difficulty that comes with that considering how short-lived NFL careers are and guys can have one injury and that could change everything for a guy that might be guaranteed $25 million. Do you think at some point in the future uh, they can find some sort of negotiating tactic, whether it's a strike or some sort of negotiation between the Players Association and the NFL and find a way to get maybe shorter-term deals with more guaranteed money for NFL players? Um, I guess the, the, the straight answer is no. Um... But I guess the nuanced answer is I'm tired of, you know, NBA players sticking their nose in the business of other sports. It's a different sport. It's, a, it's 16 games, you know, 20 if you include the preseason. You know, those guys play 82. Baseball players play 162 games. So, you know, when you have NFL players tweeting out, you know, during the baseball free agency season when a pitcher, you know, gets 150 or $200 million, oh, it looks like I should have played baseball. Yeah, if you played baseball, you wouldn't be doing anything but baseball from February until October. As it stands right now, you show up for a week in June, a week in July, and then you work from August 1st until December 31st. It is a drastic with one game a week, you know, and now with the rules they have on practices, limited practices, I mean, it is a completely different product. Um, Beyond that, it's 53 guys plus 15 on a practice squad that you're carrying. And basketball is 15. So, I mean, it is as, it's not even apples to oranges. It's apples to, to push brooms, you know, when, it's, when trying to compare those two things. Um, and I didn't see anybody in the NBA, you know, tweet out the eyeball emoji when they found out that the second, you know, Aaron Rodgers' signature dried on his contract, he was handed a check for $56 million. You know, where's the eyeballs for that? Mm-hmm. So. It's it, you know it's all relative. Do I believe in salary caps? No, I think it should be an open market. I think if if you're in Green Bay and you can't afford, you know, a four hundred million dollar payroll, then whatever. It's a national product, you know, and and everybody makes the great majority of their money from the TV deals. It's not so much about gate like baseball is, you know, where the Dodgers can draw four million people and charge, you know, more money for parking and concessions than St. Louis or Milwaukee can. So I think in football. You could make a case that there shouldn't be a salary cap, that players should be able to be paid whatever it is the market demands they are worth. But in terms of guaranteed money, um, I think the way it's set up right now is, you know, probably not a popular opinion, but it's pretty fair. You know, I mean, the best players get a giant chunk of change the second they sign their extension. Um, and that's and they can invest that however they want. I mean, look, we were talking before we came on the air about the market. Don't bet into the market. I mean, my God, think about what fifty-six million would be had Aaron Rodgers invested it on January, you know, first today. You know, pick your stock, whatever stock he might use, whether it's you know Apple or Netflix or things that that apply to him. And he's worth seventy-five million bucks here in in August. So they got plenty of opportunity to make a bunch of cash. It's the voice of the L.A. Chargers, Matt Money-Smith, joining us here on the FNA Podcast. Matt, speaking of uh, contract disputes, your division rival, the Raiders, and Tim Cates, uh, reports are saying they want two first-round picks in return for Khalil Mack. So what percentage chance would you put on him actually being moved by the Raiders? It's a weird – that thing's weird. It really is. I mean, they're not talking about him. He's not talking to the media. The beat writers around the team are saying that there's no communication between the parties, and there hasn't been since February. That is, you know, a, a stark difference from what's happening with Aaron Donald, where both parties are talking about one another. The agents for Aaron Donald said they feel good. You had somebody, I can't remember which reporter it was from which network. I think it might have been Lewis Riddick who said he was talking to Aaron Donald the other day, and he was in good spirits. He's like, yeah, it's all good. You know, we'll figure it out. You got Sean McVay and, you know, saying he's extremely optimistic. So when you have that on one side and you know both of these guys are trying to be paid more money than any defensive player ever in a considerably uh, large amount more than any defensive player ever, it, it certainly seems like the Rams are in a much better position than the Raiders, which why it leads me to believe that, yeah, maybe they are trying to auction him off. Um, maybe John Gruden has convinced Mark Davis that he doesn't need a defensive end being paid like a quarterback, that he would try to rather try to amass a collection of players, get more draft picks, and start building this thing. Um, 
So two firsts, I don't think you'll get two firsts unless there's a team out there um, that's close right now and needs an an edge rusher and has, you know, kind of like those two, I guess, you know, their, their first would be a late first and whichever one they acquired in a, in a previous draft. I mean, now you got the Jets after trading, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, they got two thirds, they got their own first. They desperately need a, you know, an anchor on the edge to go with Leonard Williams on the inside. That would make them a pretty darn interesting team moving forward for the next five years. Um, so I think that might get it done if they really are at that kind of stalemate. Uh, to get a first and a third or maybe a first in both their thirds, uh, that's something that maybe could pique their interest because it certainly seems like signing Khalil Mack to an extension is not something that has piqued their interest. The voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith, joining us on the FNA podcast. Pass rush, not an issue for the Bolts. They got two of the best edge rushers in the entire league, and they added to their secondary in the draft. I was a little surprised that Derwin James was still available when they drafted him. You've seen him through camp. You've seen him uh, through these first few preseason games. I think there was high expectations for him coming in, but uh, what do you think the overall takeaway has been from his performance so far this preseason, looking like he's going to end up starting on opening day? What kind of impact will he have on this secondary come opening day against Kansas City? Uh, well, I think, you know, much like any rookie, it's going to be great and it's going to be some, you know, some miscues, you know, because he's still trying to figure it out. But I do think he will have uh, probably a lot more, not just some, but a lot more positive plays than negative ones. He's a bright, bright guy, a uh, smart football player, a guy that led a Florida State team from that safety position. I mean, there was no question that he was the leader of that team, and he's already starting to take on that sort of role, and that's in a secondary that's got Jaleel Adai and Casey Hayward and some veterans back there. But they're, they're saying, you know, it's just it, it's the way, you know, the guy is molded. Some people have that, some people don't. And he's got that great leadership quality to go with this ridiculous physical specimen of a body at that position. When you see him walking around in pads, you know, in that secondary group, you're like, my God, look at that dude and how much different he looks. Much like Mike Williams with the wide receivers. I mean, he's got that standout kind of physical stature. Uh, he's got speed. He can rush from the line. You can play him up in the box. Uh, you can send him on a blitz and good luck trying to catch up with him. You can play him high, you know, and we've seen all of that through these preseason games where he's able to work step for step with uh, a wide receiver where he's able to be physical with a tight end in the middle of the field. We're going through, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to market myself as this guy that watches tape and understands what he's watching, but you know, we were watching some tape. I was watching some tape last night from some with someone from the Chargers, and you know, we were kind of going through the, the 49ers and, and watching Mike McGlinchey. And look, he's young and he's a tackle and he's going to figure it out. But you know, we're watching him get thrown around by the Colts. I mean, thrown around like can't keep it, can't anchor. He's getting pushed backwards. He seems like he's on the ground after every play. And I've watched enough Colton Miller so far, you know, through the preseason. And you know, again, they're young. They're going to take maybe three years to figure it out. But the fact that those two guys went ahead of Berwin, it's just crazy to me that that dude lasted until the 17th pick. Matt, you mentioned Mike Williams there. He's healthy. He had the leaping touchdown grab against the Seattle Seahawks. What is the ce- what is the ceiling for a player like him? Oh, it's crazy high. I mean, crazy high. Uh, he's obviously got to stay healthy. He's had injuries through his whole career. Um, or I should say at least, you know, when he was at Clemson, had the neck injury, had the back injury last year. Uh, but, yeah, when you're that big, that fast, uh, have hands that are that soft, it's 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 as high as any wide receiver. You know, it's Julio Jones high. Um, whether or not he'll attain that, not likely. I mean, you know, Julio is one of the best receivers we've seen in the last 40 years. So, but I mean, when you have that type of size, that's what I'm talking about. And that's the potential of it. And whether or not he realizes it, I don't know. But you know, from a physicality, you know, standpoint, from the way he's built and the way he runs and what he can do with his leaping ability and being six foot four plus and 220 pounds plus. Yeah, you know, you think about Philip Rivers, you know, when he had Vincent Jackson out there and take Vincent at an inch and add about 15 pounds. And that's what you're looking at in Mike Williams. Believe you was your colleague at NFL Network, Nate Burleson, who said that the Chargers have the best wide receiver core in the entire league. Now, obviously, you're closer to the Chargers than many others, so... I don't want to say that you're biased, but you cover the league on a ground on a wide perspective for the NFL network. You see a lot of other players from around the league as well. Do you agree with Nate's assessment that the Chargers have the best receiving group in the entire NFL? I would I would position it as they could have. Okay. They could. Because it's all dependent on what Mike Williams becomes. I mean, yeah, you know, they when you hear 
when you hear front office guys talk about wide receivers, they talk about it like a basketball team, right? You need your power forward. You need your swing, you know, you need your, uh, whatever you want to call it, swing player, your three and D guy. And, and then you need your point guard and they kind of have all that. And they got it in spades. I mean, the fact they got Travis Benjamin is kind of that point guard who can take the top off a defense just, you know, and, and you've got to send safety with him because he's faster than everybody on the field, you know, nine out of 10 games. And you've got Keenan Allen, who's kind of your technician, right? And he's, Arguably, and I would almost remove the arguably, he's the best route runner in the NFL. Uh, and, and I don't think there's much question about it. I mean, he, you know, there's, there's Antonio Brown, no question. But if you were to talk to defensive backs, who's the hardest guy to deal with when it comes to running routes? He did. And that's why he's had those injuries, because his breaks in and out are so violent. And he's such a big guy. Um, that sometimes his knees can't take it. And that's kind of what's happened. So as long as he can maintain his health, you're talking about the best route runner, a guy like Mike Williams is six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds, who can high point and run the sideline, and you got Travis Benjamin in there. Not to mention I think Tyrell Williams is gonna have a big season. I mean, it's a guy who had multiple seventy plus yard touchdown grabs last year. I think he's had five fifty plus yard touchdown catches in the last two seasons. Uh, and he's kind of your, you know, third or fourth guy, depending on who's catching all those passes. So yeah, it's got the potential to be there, but you know, I think it's all predicated on is Mike Williams going to become what we think he's going to become. Matt, even with that great receiving core, Phillip Rivers is getting older. Is it still about passing to set up the run with this team like it has been since LT left, or do they need a little bit more production even out of Melvin Gordon this year? Uh, it should still be that. I mean, that's what they're best at. You know, Phillip's so good at, at distributing the ball, you know, he's still, he's kind of like a below the player basketball, you know, he doesn't need to run around. He doesn't need athleticism to accomplish, you know, what he's been able to accomplish, which is throwing more touchdown passes the last two years than any quarterback in the NFL, 61. Um, Last year, he had a renaissance year, you know, with only 10 picks and 28 touchdowns, I think is what it was. Um, And he's, he looks the same. He moves the same. He throws the ball the same, you know, that unorthodox delivery, that works and he's able to push the ball downfield. He's still got plenty of arm strength. And, you know, in that Saints game, it was hilarious to watch him out there. Um, I should say against the Seahawks, the Seahawks game, it was almost like he was inspired by Russell Wilson. He's moving around the pocket. He's throwing the ball sidearm. So he's still in great shape. I, I think when you look at Tom Brady at 41, Drew Brees at 39, there's no reason, I think, to, to believe that Phillip isn't going to be this team's quarterback for the next three or four years, um, as long as there's no major injury. And guess what? The guy has had zero major injuries that have kept him out of the game. Of course, he had the ACL partially torn in that conference championship game against the Patriots. I think that was 2008, but he still played through it and showed up for week one the next year. Uh, as long as that holds, I, I think it's still Phillip's team. It's still passed to set up the run. And when you need the run, I think that's the difference. Uh, you know, with the return of Forrest Lamp on the interior line to go with Banfini and now the signing of Mike Pouncey, those three interior linemen, uh, when they needed the run, they didn't have it. And you saw that come to get them against Jacksonville. Uh, it's a game they should have won. Uh, they could not run the ball. You had a fumble from Eckler, and you had Melvin Gordon rush three times for like negative one yards. Uh, you're able to move that chain one time, and that game is over. And they weren't able to do it. So if you can add that to it, I think that's where the run kind of comes in. And you have a more balanced offense. But it is still, and it should be, I think, still set up by Phillip throwing the ball all over the yard. You mentioned Forrest Lamp there a second ago. He's getting his first game action coming up tonight against San Francisco. Missed all of last season with that with that injury. Uh, do they plan on working him in slowly? Or once he's healthy, once he's ready to go, they're going to plug him right into the starting offensive line? I've got to believe they'll plug him right in. Um, you know, nothing against Michael Schofield, who's a nice player and won a Super Bowl with the Broncos, but he's their swing. You know, he's their backup tackle. He's their backup guard. He is not their full-time guard. I mean, you know, if you talk to Daniel, who, of course, has been scouting, you know, drafts for the last 15 years or 20, probably 20 years, uh, he had Forrest Lamp as, as 16th highest rated player in the draft in 2017 and number one uh, lineman, and somehow he lasted until the second round. So if he, you know, he says you throw on the tape against Alabama, and you watch a guy dominate the best defensive line uh, from his position in football and or in college football. So he's high on Lamp. The team is high on Lamp, and I think as long as that knee is good, he'll get in there because you pair those three bodies together. Like I said, you know, Feeney, 
lamp and pouncy, and that can dramatically change what you're able to do on the inside of the line. Matt, the one issue the Chargers have had, especially over the last couple of years, is just closing out games. In fact, I saw this stat. Phillip Rivers has lost 27 games since becoming the starter by uh, three points or less. How does this team get over the late, you know, late game woes they've had? Is it just kicking? Um, well, some of it's kicking, but not all of it. You know, that was just last year. So I think it goes back to that four minute offense, you know, and the inability to run the ball with Melvin, you know, he's, he says he's healthy for the first time in a while. Um, he's a big dude. There's no reason why he ought not be, uh, able to, to run a four minute drill. And I think there's also been some mistakes that Philip, you know, has kind of had those moments in his career where he's been a little careless, uh, where he carries over mistakes to, to following drives instead of being able to just compartmentalize, put it behind him and move on to the next play. Um, and I think you've seen that. You know, we saw that in that Kansas City game on Thursday night when he had a chance to basically, you know, see the Chargers lock up the division even after starting zero and four. They go to Kansas City on that Thursday night or win and the division's theirs and they make the playoffs and become that team that the proverbial team that nobody wants to face, even though they started zero and four instead. Chargers got a bad break on a muff punt uh, that they thought they recovered, but was rewarded back to the Chiefs. Um, you know, after their guy was about to scoop it up and got shoved illegally, they said. And I think it just stuck with him. He was screaming and yelling at the refs the whole time about the, you know, not throwing a flag there. And next thing you know, you know, you got a pick here and a bad play there, and they're down and it's over. And I think that's, you know, maybe something. Look, it, it's you, you got to take the good and the bad, right? The, the fiery personality. The just desperate, you know, behavior in which he plays to win every single not play, not not game, but snap, um, and how important it is to him is what makes him great. But at the same time, you know, you got to be able to push things behind and, and let it go and move on. And I think that's something that he's always sort of struggled with a little bit because it's the same thing that makes him great and a likely Hall of Famer. So I think those two things get adjusted. Uh, you know, being able to run the ball in a four-minute drill and being able to move past your mistakes because you still got plenty of opportunities to win a game, uh, they ought to see maybe, you know, those scales tip in the other on the other side in their favor. And Phillip lost what would have been another great weapon early in the offseason, and Hunter Henry would have added to that great receiving core. They lost him early in the offseason, like I mentioned a second ago, and there was a lot of talk, at least early in camp, before camp, of them possibly bringing Antonio Gates back in the fold. A lot of that talk has quieted down, at least from my standpoint, from what I've heard, at least over the last couple of weeks. He could do add to th- that basketball theme. Do you think they are yeah. Do you think that they are uh, more likely to just go forge ahead with Virgil Green and the young guys they have on roster, or do you still think Antonio Gates is a possibility before opening day i know nothing i truly don't i I don't know anything they're tight-lipped about this but if you're asking me i think he's coming back i do i just i I think that i think that philip trusts him implicitly to run that as old as he is as slow as it looks like he's moving when he's on the field he's just got that five-yard curl squat catch on a third and four you know in the red zone it's if you go back and watch his touchdowns last year you'll scratch your head and say, how the hell did that happen? Look at how slow he's moving. Yet there he is catching four touchdowns. There's just, he's got uh, an incredible ability to use his body to move guys off him and to shield defenders and catch passes. Um, I think Phillip, if you watch preseason games and Virgil Green, you're, you saw Phillip and him trying to run those same routes. Uh, and it was funny to watch because Virgil Green's not the best pass catcher, most athletic guy. He can block the hell out of his position. Um, but it was funny to see, like, okay, can we do this? Can Virgil do this? Uh, and then you can play him as an end, you know, at, at the end of that line and run Mike Williams inside that slot sort of, you know, position um, because he's big enough to run the middle of the field and deal with linebackers trying to chip him off the line or safety's running with him. So. I think they're trying to figure out if they can do it without Antonio, but I'd be really surprised if they didn't just sign him, say, come on in, let's get you you know, first couple of weeks and see if we can make this work. So with the Chiefs breaking in a young QB, Matt, who's the biggest threat to the Chargers in the AFC West, or is it themselves? <laughs> I think it's still the Chiefs. I, I think, you know, it's still a really good team. I mean, it's still a really well-coached team. Uh, it's a good offensive line. It's been together for a few years, and they've won the division every year. Um, you know, or what, three of the four years that Andy Reid's been there, I think they've won the division. Um, you know, the defense is a little bit older. They lost Marcus Peters, you know, who certainly gave the Chargers fit, absolute fit. And he intercepted Phillip five times or something like that over the last few years. Um, so I, I think it's, but it's still a good team. Kareem Hunt absolutely gashed them last year. That offensive line dominated the defensive line, uh, specific, obviously the interior. 
But bringing in Pat Mahomes is a wild card. You know, he throws the ball all over the yard and get a little squirrely with it. Um, and I think, you know, that's what you want to see. Hey, can you move this guy off his spot and, and force him to throw those bad passes that, that he's better off just dirting and he won't do it. So the, that comment, but I think, I think we're going to know right away. And I don't think it's just a win or a loss. I think it's how they win. If, if they can manage to dominate the Chiefs and take advantage of the lack of Marcus Peters in the backfield and an aging Justin Houston, who they maybe, I'm sure, hope has lost a stat because he's terrorized them, um, then I do think it's their division. I'm not sold on the Broncos. I still think that offensive line is a mess in a division uh, that has this Chargers pass rush. And if Khalil Mack comes back to the Raiders, uh, and Justin Houston of the Chiefs, so I, I want to see it. I'm not buying it until until I see it. Um, and obviously, the Raiders, I think, are are dealing with their lines, you know, with their offensive and defensive lines, with Khalil Mack not being there, and with Donald Penn being an absolute disaster at right tackle so far, and Colton Miller certainly looking like he's going to need a year or two to kind of figure out the nuances of the position. I mean, just from those. But, you know, if, if the game's won in the trenches, as they like to say, with the cliche, it's clear that the, the Chargers, you know, with the signing of Mike Pouncey, with Russell Okun being a Pro Bowl left tackle and those young guards, um, you know, combined with Bosa and Ingram, they, they seem to have the best trenches far and away in the league. Last one for you, Matt. We've been talking about the Bolts for a long period of time here in this interview, but you also covered the Lakers for a long time, did pre-half and post for them. Training camp for the NBA opens in about a month from now, and predictions for the Lakers have been all over the place from a lot of different projections. Many people think they still won't make the playoffs. Some say they'll sneak in. Some think they'll get a top-four seed. I believe I saw one metric said they were the seventh-best team in the entire league. What would be your expectations for the Lakers coming into this upcoming season as they are currently constructed? Um, I mean, I'm not going to bet against LeBron. I'm just not. You know, I mean, I, I think he's going to, they're going to win 50 games, but that's just the way I look at it, right? I'm like, LeBron's not going to do anything, you know, below 50 wins. I just can't imagine it. The young guys are good enough. Um, you know, I believe in Luke as a coach. I think he's a good coach. And I think LeBron is just that good. Uh, and I know, you know, what Shannon Fry said about these guys trying to figure out what their roles are and how to fit in around them. They will. You know, they will, and LeBron's too smart of a guy, you know, to not help them figure it out, uh, to not just go out there and start dribbling and say, hey, you know, you guys figure out what you got to figure out. This is what I do. That's not how it worked. When he got to Cleveland and Kyrie was there and said, you know, Kyrie figured it out, and they became the best one-two in the league together. So I'm sure he'll help, you know, Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram and these guys who are extremely talented um, you know, get things sorted. You know, I, I'm not crazy about the whole Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson's guys can't shoot sort of thing, but, um, you know, I trust that LeBron was consulted on those moves and he kind of liked the idea of what it is that Rob Polinka envisioned and Magic envisioned they wanted to do with him. And I'm just not going to bet against him. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to put a number on it. I don't know, you know, where they're, you know, where they fit in, but I'm, I'm, that's, I, I would not be one of the people that says, oh, they're either going to barely make the playoffs or miss the playoffs. That, that's not the position I'll take. LeBron's going to get into the playoffs, and he's going to be a freaking load once he gets in there. Follow him at Matt Money Smith on Twitter. Listen to him tonight on the Chargers call. He came on with us on a game day. Tonight right. at 7, the Chargers are taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Matt, thanks so much for doing this this morning. You got it, guys. Sorry to draw you away from Asia Squawk Box. You can go back and watch now. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's already gone, jerk. No. I think I got my buy on an Apple. Our bet. All right, Matt. All right, take care. the virtues of a machine that automatically smacks a wife or girlfriend into line. Even though we was going through our drama, I would never wish death on nobody, you know what I'm saying? Because ain't no coming back from that. This is an artist called Eminem. It's spelled funky. Chris Brown is accused of assault and battery. I love all the If you've seen or watched any of DJ Khaled's music videos, you know he likes to do it big and make the best music. Yo. Yeah, where the. Does he say make the best music? He says that all the time. 
He says, we the best. Oh, okay. This is his slogan. We the best, y'all. How make, <laughs> make the best music, y'all? That just sounds like... I mean, good. there is a company called Good Music, right? That's Kanye West. Yeah. That good is an acronym for something, but of course, Kanye is the only person that knows it, so oh, I don't know exactly what it is. You gotta be an alien to decode that. Probably. <laughs> a a Yeezyan or something like that. Well, DJ Khaled actually opened up his own furniture line in collaboration with Godition, who I'm not really that familiar with, uh, but they have a group of designers and quote-unquote dreamers who partner with celebrities to make exclusive products. So he's making a bunch of couches and thrones, many of them gold-encrusted or golden-themed at least. Okay. For those people who want to basically spend their money on a trillion-dollar futon and just I'm, so it can look nice. I mean, if it's his furniture line, I'm guessing there's a great support system for the legs of uh, those chairs. Those big old women down the center. <laughs> Anybody could use that furniture. Anybody it's endorsed, out there. endorsed by him. I don't know if it's necessarily fitted specifically uh, for it him. It better be. Um, so, oh, it says the furniture will be exclusively sold today. Beginning at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Ooh. So if you're listening to this early in the day and you have a chance, uh, you can hit up uh, the El Dorado Furniture Store in Miami. So you got to fly down to Miami to pick up this furniture, or maybe they can ship it out to you if you want it so bad, if you're so inclined, to get this exclusive, expensive-ass furniture by DJ Khaled. Does it still say everything's on clearance or the store's going out of business sale and all that, even though it's brand-new furniture that just came out? That part has not been divulged <laughs> as of this I've point. never seen a furniture store that has stability, I guess, that is yeah. actually going to be staying around for every, a while. Every time. It's always a going out of business. Mean, y'all been having a going out of business sale for like 15 years. What the hell is going on yeah, right now? Yeah, marketing schemes. I don't understand. Also, by the way, Cardi B just had her kid, obviously, and she's still trying to do shows, by the way. Oh. And according to TMZ, if you are interested in booking Cardi B for a show, you have to hand her over at least $300,000, which... I'm sorry, how much? $300,000. How many songs do we get with that? That I'm not sure. <laughs> I want a hundred and fifty. Now... She's already two. booked a couple of shows for five hundred grand. Now, I mean, a lot of these people are raking in millions, but you're talking like your Jay Z, Beyonce statuses, and she's big. She ain't that big, at least not yet. The only caveat is it has to be close to home because she does not want to travel and leave the side of her child. Okay, so now, she doesn't have like a crib on stage or anything like that. I mean, she like could. a baby crib. I know that could be confusing with the genre we're talking about. If but. you wanted to, you could, you know, I guess get a mobile crib, put it in the tour bus, and take the baby along with you. Do you think her rapping would serenade the baby and put it to sleep? Do you think that would be good, or would the uh, little baby monitor be going off the entire time during the show? I don't think that would be safest for the baby's ears to have her, <laughs> especially the content that her mom raps about. Yeah, maybe put on those uh, earmuffs. I'm going to see the Smashing Pumpkins tonight, and Billy Corgan brought out a kid for one of his last shows. How old? And the kid had on those, like, air pilot earmuffs. type uh, earmuffs. Earmuffs! <laughs> I think the kid was probably, like, two or three. So a little <laughs> bit older. And Cardi B is, what, got a six-month-old or two-month-old? Two, two months. months in? Did he raise the child like he was uh, like Mufasa or like who was the monkey Rafiki or something? He, he held while the they, child. While they sang, he just raised it to the audience? He like, did what? the Simbas. That's what I call when I pick up the 45-pound plate and do those shoulder lifts. You call that the Simba? The Simbas. <laughs> I lift it up right in front of me. <laughs> is, that, is that your own creation? Does somebody else call it that? That's actually pretty good. I, I might steal that I, term I, from I think it might be an original. Hey, man, you might want to copyright that. I didn't come up with the lift, but I damn well named it. Sell that to bodybuilding.com or something. Does anybody else yeah. start calling us the Simbas? This Men's is, Fitness, look over here. This is mine, damn it. Uh, and then Tyga, he wants his money. Oh. Tiger wants his money from We're Cash talking Money. talking Lions, now Tigers. Yeah, he wants his money from Cash Money. We know they disbanded the issue between Birdman and Lil Wayne. Well documented on this show during the Rap News segment. Tiger was wrapped up in that entire situation because he was part of the Young Money, Cash Money crew. Young Money. Which was, yes, Lil Wayne and Tiger. And uh, Nicki Minaj were all wrapped up. But so was Drake. And Drake is in that, too. I heard Birdman and Lil Wayne recently kind of reconciled that relationship on stage. There was a kiss or something? Okay. There was not a kiss. Okay. <laughs> they, were on they, they are cordial. Just a peck. But they are not cool, if that makes any sense. Okay. They they're gonna on be, speaking terms, yeah, but they're not BFFs. They're not going to be hanging out at the club doing their thing together, at least the two <laughs> of them. If it's a group of them with mutual friends, maybe. And that was one of the photos that surfaced of them over the last six or seven months. So Birdman's no longer shooting at Lil Wayne's bus. Allegedly. First of all, Birdman <laughs> didn't fire, then pull the trigger. This is like the whole thing when it's like, oh, Ray Lewis killed somebody. Well, really, was, his, was his hand on the trigger? Well, I think... I think that Ray Lewis did, 
But it would have been self-defense anyways because they started the fight. And you know. mm, I mean, we went over this back in 2012 when the Ravens were in the Super Bowl. We it's did. complicated. It was like the obstruction thing is like it's like if you know, I was watching. You were we were referencing a show on Netflix. What is it called? I'm a killer. And uh, serial. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a killer. killer. And so one the of people the, on death row. Not record. So one of the episodes talks about, and I think it goes into state law. I don't know how I got down this rabbit hole. But a guy was driving a car. I think what state was it? was Texas, I think, like in San Antonio or something. Oh, look out. And one of his boys jumped out and killed somebody and jumped back in the car. But because he was oh, he dri- ghost it. He was driving the car. No, there was the there was a driver. So while oh, okay. he was driving the car, the guy who was a driver actually was um convicted of murder, capital murder. Co-conspirator. Even, yeah, but that's, but that's saw, that was episode two, I think. It was two or three. I don't remember. Yeah. I'm like five in now. But he, so yeah, so he was he was convicted of capital murder, even though he didn't necessarily pull the trigger. And I think that goes into state statutes and all that. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, well, did I actually kill someone? But if you co-conspire to do it, some states how hold that heavier over other people. It's just like, hey, you murdered somebody. I was like, hey, hold up. I didn't murder anybody. Just the driver. Maybe I had something to hey, do Ryan with it. Hey, Ryan Gosling was the driver in yeah, that one movie, maybe, and maybe nobody I had something accused to do him. With it. You know, it doesn't make you. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're innocent by any means. It's against the law. How did I get on this again? Oh, because you were talking about Birdman. Right. Yeah, Birdman was. He I mean, wasn't the shooter, but he allegedly. He may set, have ordered it. Yeah, and the guy's in jail, by the way, that he ordered it too. By oh. the way, to to do the shooting, yeah. uh, but he allegedly ordered to do the shooting. Uh, to set it up, a tiger is a uh, tiger wants his money back from uh, Lil Wayne and Birdman, saying that they never paid all of his royalties back uh, from his last two albums. How much money are we talking about here? Ten million dollars. The price is wrong, bitch. That seems significant, especially because Tiger's not that good of an artist, and he's going to need that money. Yeah, and he's still <laughs> dropping tracks. I don't know if it's independently now or what, but um, I saw someone say he makes the exact same song every time. He does. He has taste, and what's the other track? He has two tracks that sound exactly the same. He's got taste. They are literally no different than each other. I have heard him on collabs with people, but I don't think I've ever heard just a Tyga track. Like, he was on These Hoes Ain't Loyal with Chris Brown, at least one version of it, I think. There's three versions of that song. (laughs) French Um, Montana was on one. Yeah, it was a good song. I I prefer These Girls Ain't Loyal. That's the uh, radio edit. (laughs) I think we played that on this show before. Uh, because you you don't like the word you don't like talking about being a captain save a hoe or what? Well, I kinda do, but <laughs> when Petros comes on this show, we always say he saves us. Tiger has solo tracks, but yeah, he but he goes against what I've talked about all the time. You know, if you're really that good of an artist, you shouldn't have to have that many features. Go to any Tiger album. If he has twelve tracks, there's at least eleven <laughs> there's somebody on at least all but like one track. That's how it works. He's the third guy that raps on every track. <laughs> He's last in line. Might as well be. <laughs> so that's a little quick look at rap news. We do have a couple of voicemails to get into. Uh, 949-478-1197. To call and leave us a voicemail on whatever might be on your mind or something we have referenced on the show or maybe something yeah. we've missed on the show. We're giving away $40 today. I know it's not $10 million, but if Tiger calls in, he can still win that. <laughs> he can. <laughs> Easier to get that money than the $10 million out of Birdman's. Claws or talons or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 So straight from my Adam's PayPal account. So there you go. 949-478-1197. Caller number one. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Fabian. Just checking in three weeks into my regular workouts, and I think I've gained weight. I'm just kidding. I haven't weighed myself, but looking leaner, you know, when I put my shirt off, I don't look as embarrassing, so that's good. Um. Even my girlfriend, who hates everything about me, um, is giving me compliments, so that's something. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I'm taking her this week to see Shakira. I was wondering uh, what was the worst concert you guys gone to for a chick. And also, uh, yeah, getting back to the gym thing, I'm doing pretty well uh, with my diet, too, except when I get high on the weekends. I you know, make some bad mistakes, and I wanted to ask you guys, Maybe Kevin Moore. Uh, do you think people that smoke weed a lot brag about how much weed they smoke more than people that drink a lot brag about how much they drink? Because when I hear Adam talk about his drinking, I'm like, I roll my eyes. I don't know if you can hear me roll my eyes, but I can't. I'm rolling my eyes. But I'm sure I'm just as annoying, if not more so, about my pot smoking because I smoke a lot of pot. Anyway, that's pretty much it. Uh, oh, my fantasy football draft was yesterday. I'm for sure going to win. So, you know, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I picked Fournette as, and uh, Hopkins from Houston as my first two picks. So 
wanted your thoughts on that. All right. Bye, guys. All right. Uh, we can go in reverse order on this. The I like fantasy Jacksonville. Picks, the fantasy picks I like. Fournette, if he can stay healthy, excellent. DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best playmakers in the NFL. That guy was putting up plays when he didn't have a quarterback to throw him the ball. So he's, he's good. Yeah, he's been through 10 different quarterbacks. He's like the new Tim Brown. Yes. Don't <laughs> remind me. God, freaking Hopkins. Didn't he lead there. the league in uh, touchdown receptions last year? Uh, DeAndre I was about Hopkins. to say Tim Brown, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Hopkins, he might have. Uh, Tim he Brown, might've. I know he retired, I think, as a buck. He and did. maybe he played a couple games. That was unfortunate. Yeah. Actually played in Oakland as a Buccaneer. Had a touchdown pass. I remember that game. Also took way too long for him to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. That was an injustice. Yeah, and I, I think partly because of what you mentioned, the quarterbacks he played yeah. with as great of a player. as I mean, imagine, this might be a hot take. <gasps> if Tim Brown was in San Francisco and played with those quarterbacks... Better than Jerry Rice. I, at least. <laughs> Super hot take. If not as good as Jerry Rice. could have. I mean, look, his numbers are already comparable to Jerry's. His numbers from a reception standpoint. Yeah. Touchdowns, no. Didn't Jerry has a touchdown this season in Jerry has games. everybody. I mean, overall. He had more receptions by than Jerry, I think, overall, by the time Jerry got to Oakland and Jerry kept on going and going and going. He, I think he surpassed Did him. He? I believe so. Okay. Jerry was, uh, and then Jerry, when they both retired, Jerry was first all-time in receptions and Tim was two. I think Randy's now passed him up and T.O.'s up there now. The number's going to continue to get knocked down. But at the yeah. time they retired, they were fighting each other because this is a debate the two of them had when they were in Oakland going back and forth about receptions and all that. You want to talk about grumpy old men. That's right. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry owns everybody when it comes to touchdowns. That's for damn sure when it comes to the receiving position. But Tim was right up there production-wise. And I'm, if Tim was, was in San Francisco, I, look good. I think he could have been at least as good as Jerry was. And... I don't remember hearing a report where Tim Brown had stick him on his hands. Tim Brown never wore gloves. If you go back and watch Tim Brown, Tim Brown, because that was a big thing about him. That was one of the talks about all receivers had gloves. He taped his fingers. All he had was white tape around his fingers just to protect mm. so he wouldn't. But he never had anything on his hands. He uh, says, But if it was like, that double-sided tape, like though. Quarterbacks <laughs> want to feel the ball. He was like a quarterback. He wanted to be able to feel the ball in his hands. There's so, one other wide receiver that belongs in that conversation of getting screwed over by bad quarterback play and too many different quarterbacks, Steve Smith. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up my boy, Steve Smith. Steve's had great senior. numbers. And he, I great think numbers. he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I think he's going to end up getting in. Yeah, I might have to wait a while, but he'll get in there. Yeah personality alone he should get in all the smack talk he had i mean if he called a talk ass hotline back in the day you want to talk some shit? he would have been great and maybe being on the panel on nfl network doesn't hurt a little inside politic in there with the network and all that stuff that he doesn't threaten hurt. michael irving that doesn't hurt you know <laughs> so that, that could help him on that yeah um fabian what, was, what else do we have here oh working out he's looking a little bit better his girl hates him less she complimented him good it's all part of it keep it going <laughs> now when it comes to smoking weed and big weed, and if you brag about it like you do with how much you drink and how much you can drink, I don't know. Did you have one of those super doobies that Vasse had at, what, the Bruce Springsteen concert back in the day? You want to get high? It doesn't. I don't think weed has... I mean, it's a, it's weird that like alcohol has a worse stigma than weed does, considering weed is still illegal around most of the country. I'll smoke you under the table. But because the health um, the health issues involved about alcohol are very well known, we know about the issues it can have with the it can you know decreases your increases your mortality rate, you know your liver issues, all that stuff. With weed, it's still kind of it. it's still kind of out there. It's like, well, it has beneficial factors. Does it kill brain cells? Any, anyone it ever might. died from overdosing on weed? I don't think so. That's the thing. So, so that's why I think there's more of an issue. People don't like, oh man, I get drunk every day. It's, it's much people don't say that, but like they would say, Snoop says, oh, I get high every five minutes. Like so, it does the stigma against weed, even though it's illegal, is not as bad as it is against alcohol because the the effects of alcohol are openly we know how deleterious those effects are on the body. With weed, yeah. we really don't know. Ernest Hemingway showed us with alcohol. I don't know him and many others. Willie Nelson is the uh, is the one to show us that weed is a bad thing. He's still alive, still making right? great music. Yeah. You know, so. I remember he did smoke out pretty hard on Half Baked. Didn't yeah. he walk up and do some puff puff pass in that movie and just was like, "Whoa, I can't I can't smoke with Willie." <laughs> He's bringing it hard. Who the hell could? <laughs> and Snoop is still reinventing himself and making music left and right. Made a church album. He's probably faded when he was in there with the choir. Who the hell knows? And he's still doing his thing. It's from the earth, yo. Right. Oh. He was smoking too much marijuana. Yeah, so's poison ivy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why the stigma against alcohol is not as uh, you know, is uh, the stigma against alcohol is, is higher than it is against weed. And what was the other but thing? But also is it about? worth bragging about with weed? I don't know. Do you anything... know anybody that brags about how much weed they smoke all the time? Snoop. Okay. Yeah. 
That's yeah. a good point. Oh, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of people in the rap uh, entertainment community, especially rap or just music in general. I mean, musicians back in the day talked about, you know, smoking weed all the time. They all, a lot of them did. Snoop's built up quite a tolerance. Mm-hmm. I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> he probably needs the weed with Angel Dust like Smokey and Friday by now just yeah. to get high. Right. So there's no stigma. <laughs> there's a stigma against being a weed smoker, but it's not as people don't take it as seriously as someone who was being dubbed as an alcoholic or something. You yeah. know, for rappers, it's like, I get drunk all the time. I get drunk every day. And it's like, oh, man, you need some help. Somebody says, oh, I get faded every day. It's like, oh. Pass, pass the blunt, bro. Yeah, man. Wake that's, and bake. That's what they say. Um, and I think that was it, right? You're just talking about his workouts and all that. So yeah. all right. we, got, we got you, Fabian. Oh, the Shakira. He asked about a concert. Um, oh, hips don't lie. If you ever went to, a, if a girl ever drug you to a concert that you didn't like, the worst concert that you went to with a Now, the last concert I went to with a girl, the last two concerts, I think, Janet Jackson and Chris Brown, I didn't dislike either of them. So okay. and LL Cool J opened for Janet, so I hope uh, that was a pleasant surprise. So because LL was there, I like Janet anyway. But the fact that LL that might have been one of the best concerts I've ever ever been to. So that worked out for you. I'm yeah. trying to think. God brought me to some bad concerts back in the day because I had to see these awful Christian groups. They're blaming God with my youth group. Right. Some say God's a female. You know? My name is the Lord. Uh, I think I went to a Dave Matthews concert early to make sure to see Macy Gray, which I did not want to see over a girl. I will blame that on a female. Okay, so <laughs> wait, Macy Gray was opening for them. Yeah, and you were t- you wanted to intentionally arrive late so you can miss her. Yeah, <laughs> and she drug you there early so you can. See I'm Macy not Gray. a fan of Macy Gray at all. She's got some interesting vocals. Let's just say that she sounds. She seems like she's a smoker, not weed style. <laughs> Like, she must have been smoking at an early age to get her voice that raspy. Yeah, I I don't have an opinion one way or the other. She's fine. I'm not, I'm not, if her song comes on the radio, I may or may not turn it off. I will never seek her out. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I'm not going to go search out a Macy Gray on Spotify. I'll tell you that. That's the only concert I can think of right now. All right. Uh, who else we got? Female influence. Hi, this is Tori. Got to let you know of my last day out west, which um, after our Nissan training, we went to San Francisco to the pier. Get to the pier, and it couldn't have been no more than 15 minutes after we started walking down the pier that I saw this guy um, wearing shoes. And that was all. Then uh, that was quite interesting. A lot of people were walking, and some people were like, okay, no big deal. Um, just another guy. Naked. Uh, and oh. then the next thing I saw was someone trying to jump off the pier. Um, one of the old piers that I guess were the, um, they didn't rebuild after the earthquake. It's that big cinder block one. So some, some crazy guy with a shirt off, and it was too cold to have a shirt off, um, trying to jump off the pier. So you had the Coast Guard out there, a couple of fire trucks. So that was a quite interesting, um, uh, walk of the pier. Uh, we did do some other, you know, touristy stuff, but it was cool. But I just thought I'd throw that in for you guys. We'll see you. Tori, I was about to ask if you were smoking weed before. It was just like, I was walking down the pier and a guy was wearing shoes. Very unusual. How crazy is that? <laughs> a guy wearing shoes. Don't bury the lead, Tori. You might want to let us know that he was butt naked wearing nothing but shoes first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a little confusing. I was wondering, are we in primitive times yeah, here? Is, are people not supposed to be wearing shoes? Is it was it Bigfoot? Is David Magdaleno going to run right, in here? What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> yes, we have some weirdos out here on the West Coast who go down the pier and people want to jump off and people yeah. do some crazy stuff. Hope you enjoyed your California trip. Yeah, California sounds like it. California dreaming out here. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we have a decision to make. What? Oh, we have to give away forty dollars. We're rich motherfucker. So Tory called in twice this week. Yeah, uh, quality we, over quantity. Not that it was bad, Tori. Not that it was bad. You the judge. It's your money, Adam. Uh, who else called in on Monday? We had one other call on Monday, but I forget. It was Andre. I guess Andre oh. wants us to do more soccer talk. And then we had Fabian today. And then Andre I, I yelled. Think. Remember, Andre yelled at the end of it. I'm on the phone. <laughs> I got to find that from last, from earlier this week. Mom. <laughs> it sounded like the black or white video with Macaulay Culkin upstairs. Right, Turn it sure. down. On the phone. <laughs> Andre, 3,000 ways to hate on this show. Uh, you make the call on Andre versus Fabian. I could go either way. I'm vacillating here. Not vaselining like I do at night. Vacillating. <laughs> A little bit different. Wait, wait, what? 
nothing. Oh, nothing. That was one of those. I'm thinking, and I was like, wait, what did you say? That's not sexual. You closed doors is your own. I mean, Andre hit it off right at the end of the call. He did. He closed very well. And the call, the content of the call wasn't bad. It wasn't you know? bad. I like the talk, the, the pining for some soccer talk. He That's wants cool. to be our soccer analyst on this show. Is is asking when that is appropriate, when soccer is actually popular and the majority of our audience will care. Uh, no, there's bigger matches and there's big players doing some things, teams, guys moving teams and all that. That's fine. I think Fabian won recently, maybe even last week. Are we going to give $40 to Andre and you prove have that to. we're unbiased, objective, fair, and balanced here on the FNA podcast? Oh, well, yes. Events to your point. That walk-off was pretty good. Damn. That walk-off was pretty damn good. All right, Andre. Why are you mad at me, Adam? No one's mad at you now. You just won $40. God, look at you. Drinking in the dough. I think he's won $60 now this year. I've given him money. You guys, I'm glad you guys have patched up your relationship. I, I, well, does money equal, uh, for some? Are we like Lil Wayne and Birdman? Are we just on speaking terms? Some mending of the fences? I never know with the two of you. So I really don't know. Have you guys exchanged barbs on Twitter lately? No. I guess, yeah. We're, so you're we've pe- made it past the most difficult point in our relationship. Adam and, uh, and Andre are in peacetime right now. It's good. For now, at least. Yeah. I'm sure it'll flare up at some point. When Baez gives up his next horrible, horribly timed home run for the Dodgers, and I text him Baez because we had a bet a couple years ago between him and Hunter Strickland, who would be better? I said Hunter Strickland. He said Baez. I think Strickland's had the better career since then. Both young pitchers. Both guys have some great stuff. And Baez has been good over the past couple weeks, but in low leverage situations, the Dodgers finally figured it out. Probably best just not to put him in the game if you can avoid it if you're the Dodgers. But then, bad as Kenley's been lately, and find somebody, they might throw you out there at him. Yeah. I'll I'll go with Kenley's track record. Okay. All right. I hope he eventually gets it together. I love Kenley. Of course, we all do. We all do. He will. We want to make sure that he's healthy. I have faith. That his heart is right. That's the most important thing. Yeah. That cutter's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Andre, you get 40 bucks. Uh, 949-478-1197. The pot goes back down to $20 next week. Next week. And very soon, we're going to have our own little FNA prize closet. Yes. That is you in- will have an assortment of gifts that you can buy on this show, or not that you can buy. Yeah, you give us tickets like it's Chuck E. Cheese. Right. <laughs> Your ticket is basically... Winning the Talk S Hotline call. Yeah, we have that coming up in the works, coming up pretty soon. Uh, we're back next week. Thanks again to Matt Money Smith, by the way. At, Money, at Matt Money Smith is where you can find him on Twitter. Volsha the Bolts, they take on the 49ers in their preseason finale tonight before they open the season against Kansas City next week. Uh, at Follow Adam A, that's where you can find Adam on Twitter. I am at KFig1. We are at FNA Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. FNAPodcast.com. Click on that Amazon link before you shop there. Also, Ripped Apparel, RIPTApparel.com. Put in the promo code at checkout, FNA, to save 10% on the best shirts in the world. We are back next week. Uh, we will not have a show on Monday, but we'll have two shows for you next week, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, we can take a Monday off. Yeah, we'll be back. Labor Day. So what better way to ce- celebrate a day of labor by not working? How about that? Uh, so we'll Finally. Do, we'll come up. We'll do a couple of shows next week as we get set. The NFL regular season starts next week. As a matter of fact, in college football officially starts tonight. So we're all excited for the beginning of football. Until next week, for Adam, I'm Kevin. Thanks, Matt Money Smith. This has been another edition of the FNA Podcast. This message will self-destruct.